Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Okay, so I wanted to dive a little deeper into what you actually do. I want to kind of explore that and see how we can both apply it in a micro business. Because one of the things we do in our company are these systems and operational packages for micro businesses. People are just doing their first few hires or, you know, even their first 10, 15, where they're really trying to scale and get, you know, department directors. And one of the things that I found, um, and this is an advantage that I think you and I both have, most entrepreneurs were never employees. I was an employee for over a decade before I went out on my own. And for an entrepreneur that's never been an employee, they don't really understand employees. They don't understand the employee mindset, what it means to take orders, what it means to need orders, right? Entrepreneurs are like, I do everything myself. I hired you, do stuff yourself. It's not how it works. If they could do that, they'd be an entrepreneur like you. It's it's a great point. Um, And incorporate even more so, you know, like it's the sheep of the sheep, especially at the lower levels when you talk about call centers and, and product line management, things like that. So can you, are you able to like open up for us, pull back the curtain a little bit on your process? Like what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So we, um, and I think the big, there's a big difference between what we do now and and what we've done in the past. And this is where kind of the learnings came in. And we, you know, we took a, we took a hard look at what had worked in our, in our previous experiences and, and, and where we, we saw some challenges. And we felt like the, the way that we were doing things was absolutely the right way, but we weren't, we weren't getting the traction we wanted. We weren't seeing the growth that we wanted. Doing well, but just not, not growing at the, at the rate we wanted to. And we looked at it and we said, we're having the right conversation. We're just having it with the wrong people. And what I mean by that is we'd spent so much time, you know, Insight, Insight was Insight Sales Consulting. And we worked with sales teams and we, and we worked with, you know, their, their frontline managers and things like that. And while we still work with those teams, we're coming from a much different angle. And the companies we work with, most of them are large brands. And so much of what's happening in terms of product strategy and go-to-market strategy is coming from the brand and from the marketing team. And it's going, it's being pushed out through these different frontline channels, but the strategy originates with those teams. So when it works, they get the credit. When it doesn't work, they get the blame. And we've really repositioned what we do and, and we packaged it in a different way that really targets the, um, the brand and the marketing teams so they can have that alignment down to the front lines. They, they struggle with, they can tell the customers exactly what they want, but somehow getting that, that message that they tell the customer to come out of their own people's mouths is really a challenge. So that's what we're doing for them. It's just originating from the marketing side rather than originating from the sales side. And there's really important differences between those two. Okay. So let's talk about that because I, I, we have an entire marketing program um, that helps micro businesses build a marketing strategy. It's called marketing magic. And in micro business, I combine marketing and sales. So in corporate space, it's siloed, um, which, which I've said so much about and you're, you're really echoing that so strongly from the inside that they don't communicate with each other, right? Marketing pitches and sells one thing and then sales might not even know (laughs) what they did. And a lot of Um, cases they don't. In all cases, they don't. And so, in micro business, I always, you know, when someone, when a business is tiny and it's one person or two people, they are doing both, right? So, I, I teach it as a full thing. And when I work with my larger clients, I teach them how to integrate their marketing and sales so that there's there's a clear flow. Because, you know, I just had this with one of my clients yesterday. Actually, the sales team's like ready to go. Everyone's ready for calls, but marketing's on a three day delay for launch. So, the sales guy calls me. He's like, I see what's going on. I'm like, that's a great question. Marketing never told sales they're on a three day delay. It just didn't. 
And that's in a small business. And that's in a small business where we've got a team of, let's say, 15. Yeah. Imagine when you've got teams of 500 plus. Imagine when you have a national product launch and phones start ringing because the customers see the ads and the people on the phones have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, M goodness. Wow. Yeah, Yeah. that's, that's a big deal. So, okay. So you sit with marketing. So you're not drafting the marketing strategies. They've drafted that. They know what they're selling. You just sit there and say, okay, what is it that you're promising everybody? That's correct. That's exactly right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And then what do you do? How do you bring it to sales? And why isn't anyone else just passing the paper along or having the meeting or something? Why is no one doing that? It's a great, it's a, it's a great, great question. So it, it's happening in, in, in some regards, but um, we've actually done research on what they're doing and what works and what doesn't. But so uh, I'll walk you through it. So what we do is we work with the marketing team and we say, okay, you're trying to influence customer behavior through your, your, your brand message, your brand promise, your emotional appeals to your, to your buyer. Um, how are you getting that message to your internal teams? And they say product training and email. And we're like, okay, product training, email, not really emotional, not really a lot to attach to there. Um, and that's when you do the product training in the emails, that's one of 15 or 20 different initiatives you're, you're doing all at the same time. So what we do is we take a much more campaign driven approach to this. So we work with the organizations. We, we developed, this is really the, big, the biggest difference from, from where we were before to what we're doing with interview. We developed a, a, a process called the brand transfer score. And essentially what this does is it is built on uh, market research principles. So customers are, or excuse me, companies are going out and asking your, their customers, what do you think of this thing that we have? Or what are you looking for from, a, from a, this type of service or product? And they get that feedback from the customers. So they build their whole campaign on, well, the customers think this and they want this. So that's how they build their messaging strategy. That's how they build their go-to-market strategy. Well, the challenge is, Nobody ever asks the people who represent the brand what they think of it. They say, here it is. Here's the words that we want you to say. Say it. And especially as the workforce evolves and you have you know, more millennial and, and, and you know, new generations. <laughs> M- millennial translated as opinionated. Yes. Well, and, 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 and you, know, you have organizations. And I don't even think it's just a generational thing. When you hand somebody a, a sheet of a one sheet, a marketing slick and say, yeah, go say this. That's not how, like... You know, we always talk about the difference between knowledge and belief. You can get somebody to know something, but knowledge doesn't force people to act. Belief forces, you know, causes people to act. And marketers are out there trying to build belief with their customers, but they're not building belief with the people that talk to their customers. So we use the brand transfer score as a way to measure, okay, how much of that message that you are delivering to your, your customers via your marketing, your advertising, your digital, whatever, how much of that? is actually getting down to the people to front lines and how closely are they talking about it compared to how you want them talking about it. So we can measure kind of where that message is falling out and we can come back to the organization and say, okay, this team in this region sees it this way and there's a big gap, they're completely misaligned, that's a place that we need to place some focus. So that's really where it starts. Interesting. So so you're, you're looking at the marketing message that's coming out of marketing and then you're you're asking, like you're canvassing the sales teams in the different regions. We 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 have it. We have an online an online study that that okay. we that we customize for each client, and it's market research. It's built yeah. on a market research mechanic. And basically, what we're doing is just as an organization gathers voice of the customer, and they say, "This is what we think of it." You're gathering we, the voice of the sales team and the internals. 
voice of the internal customer, right? So we're, oh we're gathering. Oh my gosh, genius. I love this. So we're trying to figure out, okay, do they see it? It's all about attitudes and perceptions. Do they see it the same way? We ask it in the same way you would in the market research. And the companies that we work with are, are typically large. So the sample sizes are big. This is not like two and three, two and three salespeople. You're talking about hundreds or thousands in call centers or hundreds of outside sales reps. So we're getting statistically relevant data to come back to them and say, like you guys, your people are not aligned at all. And I can tell you exactly how this translates to a micro business, by the way, because I literally did this a few weeks ago with a client. Um, they were having their admins do sales. So again, this is what micro businesses do, right? <laughs> this company has there. maybe, I don't know, a dozen people. Yeah. Um, I, I always like to blur my examples. Let's say it's a, a therapy company. Let's say they do uh, physical therapy for post-op patients. And it's not exactly that, but it gives enough of a model of your, your average micro business out there today. I work primarily with service-based businesses. Mm -hmm. So um, they don't have dedicated sales rep, right? They have right. therapists, the founder, the business manager, the secretaries, like that's kind of their, their structure. And so they were just having their secretaries take any inquiries. So I said, essentially your secretaries are your salespeople. They're like, oh, never even thought about it like that. Like, yeah, because you don't have salespeople. So if anyone's interested in the services of the company, the secretaries are the ones answering the phone. They're the salespeople. Great. So they send the secretaries out to sell now. Yeah. And it's not going very well. Right? Number, numbers are really low. So they, we come back and we had done at the high levels Again, we do marketing strategy, but sales is part of it. So we had built out some sales scripts, sales perspective the company had never had before. And they said they're going to pass that on to the staff. Fantastic. Two months later, um, we're back for you know ongoing stuff, and they say, "SD, like we passed it on, and results are better. Results are better. At least they know what to say now. They've got a script, but it's still not going so well." So you know, why don't you bring in some of the admins? Let, let, let's and everything I do is on Zoom, right? So it's remote. Bring them in. You're going to love this. This is probably like what you do in mass and tiny. So um, they come in, one person's like the main leader, right? Of, of, there's, just two, there's like four people on the call now, yeah? And one, one of the admins is like the main spokesperson, if you will. So I say like, you know, tell me what you do on the phone. Just model me. But I pre I'm an interested consumer. Hi, I'm wondering about your physical therapy services. Can you tell me more information? And I get this like really dry... Yes, well, we provide therapeutic services that will help you recover from your operation in a much faster way than anywhere else you could do it. It's really great. And I'm like, legit? Like that, is that really how you talk? <laughs> That's really, I said to her, do you believe that this works? She says, maybe. And I just looked at the clients. I said, you are literally having the main person who's supposed to help get you clients who doesn't even believe that the thing you do works at all. I know this. I know this is not a religious show, but I, but I'm going to say amen to what you just said. <laughs> if they don't so, but that's that's what we're trying to help these organizations get underneath is them knowing it and them believing it are two very very different things. Very different and, things. And 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 our our job is just as marketers are trying to get their customers to believe, and when a customer shows up and starts, you know, is interested, they show up in a retail store, they call your your call center, and they're interested. Like you're, you're building belief. They're, they've got enough belief to, to start reaching out and making contact with you. If the person on the other end doesn't believe that, that what that does to your brand is it's completely destructive. It's like murderous, right? I was going to say it murders it. It completely kills it. Well, I can tell you that the, the, the best way to understand our business is to understand the most fundamental question that we will ask a, a, a branding person or a marketing person or a product team. 
how confident are you that the people who represent your brand can tell the story the way that you designed it? How confident are you? And that's like our, like straight to the heart, you it's know, a great you know, hook. So it's and, a great marketing hook for you. <laughs> I mean, how confident are you? And they, the, the typical response we get is laughter. And that's not, it's, <laughs> one of the, one of the challenges, one of the challenges with a business like ours is, um, People always want somebody to blame. If there's one thing we've learned from, from current events, it's we always want somebody to blame, right? Yeah. And in, in business, you look at you look at a situation like this, and what we're saying is we're challenging people to look at it and say, it's not about who's to blame. It's about you haven't concepted a new way of doing this. We have. And it's not that your sales team's not, that your your people on the phones or in your retail store, or your sales team's not good. And it's not that you as marketers are failing. It's the demands of the marketplace put you in a spot where this gap that has existed for a long time, you can't afford to have that gap there anymore. You need to close it as much as you can. And we've concepted a new way to, to deliver it. So when they laugh, it's not, it's not that they, they think that they're, the people that work for them don't do a good job or the people down at the front lines don't do a good job. It's just the disconnect's there. You got to close the gap. The time has come. And you've got to come up with innovative solutions to get the job done. Hundred percent, and and I talk about this all the time because some of my clients, as I'm sure many of yours are, you know, veteran business owners for 20 years who say, "I don't know what happened. I was like the hottest thing on the block for so many years in the last few years, and my sales has just gone down. I'm not doing anything different." I said, "That's the problem. You're not doing anything different. The whole marketplace has changed, and you haven't, and you can't afford to stay with what you used to do anymore." It's it's absolutely true, and and it's one of the things where and and there are some very specific, you know. Uh, tips that I would have for, for, you know, the small business owner, Please. you know, around this. And I think that, you know, the first I would say is, um, I alluded to this before, um, I spent, you know, almost three months really thinking through what the business was going to be and what that value proposition is. The meeting I came from before this was about our value proposition. Um, really understanding what it is, re like really getting sober and okay, what is it that like, you know, why would somebody want to buy what we have? And getting very sober around that, being really clear on it, um, and putting the time in to get that right. That's not something that's, it shouldn't change from day to day. You should put in the time to get to the point where we've got it, we feel really good about it, we've got a foundation. So really focusing on why would somebody want to buy us and getting that value proposition um, really kind of you know, you know, baked into the core of the business um, is, is really, really the first one. And the second is test it. Ask a lot of people. See what they think and gather input from people, especially your employees. Because the question that I would have asked to that woman that went out to try to do the, do the sales for the physical therapy company is, what do you think is great about what we do? And hear what she has to say. What do you think is great? And what we do is we say, okay, what does she think is great? We compare it to what the marketing team is saying is great. And we try to determine, are those aligned or misaligned? And if they're aligned or, or, or relatively aligned or close, but she's not saying it exactly the same way. So what if she's able to, if she's saying something she believes in and it actually does tie back to the company's value proposition, give her the freedom to say it in her own way, in a way that she believes in because that authenticity it, scripts, scripts are dead. Scripts are dead. If for anybody listening, if you go to do a script, I'm, 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 I'm imploring you don't write a script have a dialogue with that person and let them put this into their own words. Do it by asking them questions, not writing it down on a piece of paper. Scripts don't work. I love that. I love that. Even as a framework, because like when I do scripts, I look at it as a framework. Like 
here it's more like okay then enter add something personal then say the great thing like for that could it work as like a bullet points or you're saying even that no, I think so. I, you got you got to give guidelines. So, so okay. I, I I agree. There's got to be guideposts for people. So frameworks have, are okay, but word for words, we're done with that. We're done with hi and welcome to Physical Therapy Central. We have exercise balls and therapists and weights, and you'll have a grand old time. <laughs> let me get, let me give you an example. We, don't, we well, let me give you an example. We give people a characterization of what the greeting needs to be, but we don't tell them what they have to say. Oh, okay. okay. What does that sound so, like? So, so, you know, like it, the, the greeting needs to be something that is, that is, you know, warm and friendly and, you know, and reassuring to a customer. Let's just use that as a generic example. What everybody says, it does not need to be the same. It, it should, it, if, if, if think, and this all really ties back to the brand. It depends on who the brand is, right? Yeah. If you're a bank, you may need to have, you might need to have certain compliance things that you say. So the brand and the, and the, and the regulations and things like that, you got you got to account for those things. But if you are, um, uh, if you, if you are answering the phone for a, um, a plumbing service. Okay. And we've actually done work for a company that, that sells nation has nationwide franchising for, for, for plumbing services. Somebody calls in how you answer that call for their brand and for the reason people are typically trying to call in is very different than if you're answering the phone for, uh, 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 I'm trying to think of, a, of something a little bit more whimsical, um, uh, a chocolate company, or you're answering the phone for, you know, uh, for Hershey's, okay? You're answering the customer service call for Hershey's. The way you're gonna answer that call is gonna be very different. It sets a different tone for the call, and it's gotta be on brand. So, but again, we, we look at the brand as a set of guidelines, not, not a prescription for what you should say every, what you should say every time. hundred percent. hundred percent. I love that. And I think it's so much where the world is going. You know, I feel like there's so many trends when we look at decades, you know, you look at the sixties and like the freedom of expression and look at the seventies and look at the nineties. I feel like we're going to look back and we're going to look at, you know, the, the 2010s as the beginning of individualism almost when everyone just wants to be their own person, do their own thing in whatever space they are. I feel like, you know, maybe the next decade will be the explosion of this. I don't know, but I feel like that's definitely a big thing I've seen. Again, I work with micro business owners. So everyone's doing their own thing. <laughs> that's my world. So I could be totally biased, but speaking to you and you're in that corporate space with, you know, what I would call the minions of the minions, right? The bottom of the totem pole in corporate is call centers, <laughs> pretty much as low as you go other than janitors. And those people who can express their individuality, that means the whole world is changing. I'm right. Well, not, not, so not only that, but one thing I will say is um, you think about the corporate structure and you think about people in a call center or retail stores, another great example, or technicians, or you, there's all sorts of different customer facing roles. Um, the person who stands in front of the customer is the, or, or, or is on the other end of the phone, they're the face of the brand, right? The bill, at that point, at that moment in time, it's not a billboard. It's not an ad. It's not, it's not a digital banner. It really is that person is the face of the brand. And you've got a hundred product managers and you've got a million VPs and you've got all these different people back at corporate, but the success or failure of what the customer thinks of your brand hinges on that one person in that one moment. So when you think about, you know, you, you say the bottom of the totem pole, the, the, the level of importance of these frontline roles in shaping what people think of a brand is we think dramatically underappreciated, dramatically. Underappreciated, oh no underinvested in, and we, we look at it as these these are the people, these are your brand. So you can either invest some in them 
or you can spend a whole lot more money in ads and you can drive people into your stores or to your call centers to have a bad experience or you can make sure that when they call you've got people who actually believe in your brand and talk in a way that represents your brand in a differentiated way that's worth a, that's worth an ounce of investment rather than the, the pounds and pounds that people spend on advertising. Totally. And people talk so much about, um, you know, brand ambassadors. You know, they invest so much into getting brand ambassadors. These are your brand ambassadors. It's true. These are the people. Oh my gosh, I love it. And I, and I so resonate also. Like, you can really get a sense of your value for people. Like, you know, your value for your own team, your value for... I love it. I, re- I like you. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> No, it's so valuable. And guys, all of you in micro businesses, you know, when you're the founder and you're on the phone, you're speaking with every ounce of passion. And so many businesses, when they try to scale and they try to hire that first salesperson, there was like, I see it was a failure. Of course, because you thought they're just going to sell like you. You've got to invest them with that same passion, but let them sell it from them. It's absolutely true. And when we finished with that, with that admin, by the way, you know, and I said to her, like, you think sales is selling. It's not. Sales is you finding out if this service is right for the person on the other end of the phone. And to do that, you have to know it and believe in it and understand it. And we went through this whole thing for like half an hour. At the end, I just looked at her and I said, do you think it's going to be any different for you now? And her eyes almost fell out of her head. She's like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be really different. <laughs> you're not, you're, I always say you're not selling, you're finding buyers. And they're, they're two completely different. I mean, it's semantic. Well, I like that line. That's a great quote. You're not selling, you're just finding buyers. People want to buy. People want to spend money. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. It, listen, if you're in, in the physical therapy business and, and somebody calls up, you, you are, you are one, they're one step closer by talking to their one step closer to their shoulder feeling better or to their knee feeling better. And 100%. that is, that is, you, you have something really, really valuable that you can offer that person and really believing in the, the outcome that you can deliver for that person and focusing on that outcome is so key. And if you believe in it, you'll never sell a day in your life. You're only finding people that want to buy. And it's, it's, it's just, it's a little mental, mental trick, I guess. But um, for people who don't think of themselves as salespeople, it's a trick that, that can really work. Yeah, I love it. Do you read Daniel Pink's book, um, To Sell as Human? I, I, I love that book. It's, it's a like great the Bible book. on this. It's amazing. It, it, it is. It is. It's, it's, you know, as we were starting our business, it was something that I read and, you know, it really resonated with me. And it's, I think there, a lot of what's in there is very true. I love it. So you know so much, you've done so much. What's a current business struggle for you guys right now? Um, to be honest with you, it's not, it's not a lot different than some of the ones that you've already touched on. Um, I would say that um, for us, it's, it's uh, right now, I'd say first and foremost is, um, you know, scaling's hard, right? Scale, you know, the phrase growing pains is actually very true. There's pain in going from one level to the next. And um, really setting up, um, setting up a team, I, I, I'm going to sort of sum it up in one, one kind of big problem. And that's how to figuring out how to balance a focus on developing your current clients and time and effort and investment to acquire new ones. And this idea of, you know, the, in, a, in a service-based business, and, and a lot of your businesses are going to be very similar, there's nothing, they're nothing without their reputation, nothing. And most businesses are not in a spot where they can put all the money they want into, into developing their current clients and delivering the best in class that they possibly can and spend as much money as they want and need to to acquire new clients at the rate they want to. So there's always tension between investment and servicing what I have 
an investment in trying to, to, to gain new clients. So I would say right now, that's, that's kind of, that, that sort of sums up where we are is trying to figure out how to strike that right balance. And my advice is you got to lean more toward the current than the future um, because you've got to get that, that solid reputation, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tightrope walk for sure. Totally. So the current builds the future for sure, but is it okay if I point something out? Cause I deal with this all the time with Absolutely. my clients. What gets you from A to B doesn't get you from B to C. It's true. Um, and so, you know, I always like to say first world problems are still problems. So the problem of success could still be a problem. And, and I experienced this in my own company. We've been in an amazing, amazing growth phase um, in the past year and a half, two years, really just like exploding. I personally have had to shift what I do. Uh, I had to stop taking hourly clients. I now, in very specific situations, I will, but basically only retainers and I have other strategists who work for me. Um, we have our group programs. So I think, you know, you start building and you build and then you get to this place where like the demands on your time are, are more than you have time. So you were prospecting, prospecting. Now you got all those prospects into so your servicing, but especially in consulting and in any service-based business, there's a lifetime value to a client. No one stays with you forever. And my motto in consulting is I want to be dispensable. I don't need you to need me. I need to get you off the ground. You know, you talk about that, like, you know, 60 to 90 day strategy. That's our typical client engagement. We're strategically strategic consulting firm. That's what we do. So we, yep. we build them that foundation, that launch marketing strategy. That's, that's exactly what it is. Business plans. So and then we have people on retainer. Some people are with me nine, 10 years almost since I started. Their business keeps growing. But our average mm -hmm. clients, they come in and out. So you're always out there. Otherwise, your business crashes. And a lot of people make the mistake where they turn all their attention to their current clients and Great none point. to prospecting. And then they get feast or famine cycle in the extreme. Yep. Um, but what I'll say is this, two things. One, the same way corporate does a 10% marketing budget, what I have my clients do is a 10% time, quote unquote, marketing budget. That's yep. your prospect prospecting budget on your time. So that gives people a, a really cool framework. But at the scale you're at, you might need a complete shift. Meaning you might start having other people servicing your clients more than you, building out the same kind of structures and frameworks. Um, and again, different than the sales communications, but if, if the systems and structures and frameworks, like for me, let, let's say this podcast, right? When I started the first like two, three episodes, I did everything. I, I recorded it and then I edited it and I made the, the image. And yeah, now when, when we're done, I give some basic information. I always title them and I always like put in some like cool snippets and then I pass it on to my editing team. And the next thing I know it's up online and my business and my podcast would never function. And most of my company runs like that. And right. So anything that you still have on manual, even some of the servicing that you're doing might shift as you go to look for new businesses. And it might not be you who's looking for new business. You might be bringing in other people to do it, that you're a genius at training. <laughs> I mean, we do practice what we preach. I can say that we, um, we, so a lot of what, everything you said uh, makes a lot of sense. And, and there's, um, the reality is when you go, you said what, what got you from A to B is not going to get you from B to C. And I agree with that 100%. Um, we're in the mode right now where it's funny. I, I, my partners and I talked about this this morning. Um, if our jobs don't look, if what we're doing day in and day out does not look differently to start 2020, um, we are not doing the right thing. It, it, like we're, it, what we're doing day in and day out has to, has to look differently. And 
I haven't been involved with day-to-day -day client work in a while. We do, you know, we do have a team that, that, that focuses on that. But now that team now needs to start doing stuff differently. They need to, you know, elevate a little bit. And then we need to bring in, you know, new people to start doing some of that. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a ladder game, right? You're stat, you know, you got to stack new people on and you got to figure out how to, how to grow it. But um, that idea of investment in, you know, and, and, and our clients, our, our hope is to keep our clients for, for longer periods of time because of what we do. So yeah, you're, you're not a, a three to six month. It's a, it's, a little, it's, a, it's a little different, but, but the thing is the, the, the principles I, I really do uh, think that they still apply, but um, it is a situation where we want to, um, we want to make sure that it, cause if we, if we do a good job servicing them, we can keep them for a long time, but there's always tension between, you know, we've got a bucket of money we can invest. Are we investing it here? Are we investing it here? You know what? What is the strategy? And ten percent, ten percent marketing budget. Yeah, because ten percent is meant to pay you back a hundred percent, right? Um, the whole idea, and this is what I teach marketing magic, is turn your business into an ATM, right? For every dollar you spend on marketing, quote unquote, which for by me includes sales as well, it should pay you back ten. Because the ten percent yeah. marketing budget says that for every hundred thousand dollars in revenue, I might spend ten k in marketing, which means that that ten k is meant to produce the hundred k. Right. So if I'm always reinvesting 10%, I can be 10xing, you know, on a on an almost constant basis as long as I refine. Um, but always, always, and that this is the sales pyramid, which is a whole different piece. But the more you service your current clients, the more they become your marketing budget. It's true. It's exactly right. It's an excellent point. And that's so as long as you're set up to catch it. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It's the perfect place. And I totally, I totally get the tension. Um, when I had to stop taking all the sales calls, I almost cried. Like my sales guy, top, top sales guy. Um, and he's like, Esty, you, you need to stop. Like, but I've always taken all the sales calls in the company. What's going to happen? I've, 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 I've been there. I'm there right now. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard as a founder. It's hard, but, um, you, you, you don't, you don't grow without that. You got, you got to start Excellent. pushing it out to other people. Yeah. What makes you grow doesn't get you to scale. And honestly, like, you know, looking at like, thank God the leads that have come in, I would have had not like we had to just shift instead of people glancing automatically on my calendar, they go through like, you know, a little funnel and they apply and then we get them on the phone with the right person. And some of them I get on the phone with if I think that I just really need to explore their business, to make sure it's the right thing. But some of them at this point, I'm done. I've done this so long. I know exactly what they need, what it's going to be, what it's going to look like. They don't have to talk to me. I can still help them. It's true. So great point. It's, it's different, but it's, but it's tough. Definitely growing pain. Totally get it. All right. Awesome. So Chris, where do people find you? If they want to learn more about you, about this, get their marketing and sales team on the same page. Um, so best place to find us is interviewgroup.com. And I want to make sure people understand it's I N N E R V I E W. So we help organizations take an interview of, of, of their marketing strategy or with their marketing plan. So interviewgroup.com our website easiest place to find us i'm on linkedin um, i'm in the city of philadelphia uh, christopher wallace is not an uncommon name um, so uh, if you if you did plug it in directly it would be christopher e wallace uh, as the extension on linkedin but um, i am in philadelphia so if anybody wants to reach out would love to connect with you awesome i'll put both those links in the show notes guys if you go to sdran.com slash 81 You'll see the summary of this and all those links to catch Chris. Amazing. So much value. Um, so I like to end with a surprise request, which I did not warn you about. I like to ask for a quote. So you gave me a really good one about you're not selling, you're finding buyers. So if you want to lean on that, you can. But if you do have a quote, it doesn't have to be a favorite one of all time, but it can be. 
I would love that. Um, I, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to lean on that one. I think that, um, and I think that mainly because I think it, it applies to your, um, to your audience and, and, and the people that are, are trying to grow businesses. Um, you, you're always going to find, a, especially, you know, with service-based business and technology businesses, a lot of those people don't like to sell. So this idea of, of, you know, shifting the mindset from, you know, sort of worrying about being in sales to uh, embracing the fact that you're finding people to help every day. Um, by, by helping them make a, make a purchase. Um, I, I, I'm going to attribute that a little bit. There's, a, there's an author named Jeffrey Gittimer. Um, and, and Jeffrey, I don't know if you're familiar with Jeffrey Gittimer, but um, he's published in a lot of business journals around the country and things like that. But his quote is, um, nobody wants to be sold, but people love to buy, right? And nice. I think that, so, so I'll, I'll add that on to mine is people don't like to be sold, but they love to buy. The Nordstrom effect. I always joke about the Nordstrom effect. You go into What's Nordstrom. That? Yeah. The, you go into Nordstrom and nobody's ever gone to a Nor into a Nordstrom and walked out spending less than they thought they were going to spend. It's right. never happened. Never. You never go in and say, I think I'm going to spend a hundred and you walk out and you spent 75. It's never happened, but no. nobody walks out of a Nordstrom upset. So this idea of you're not separating people from their money, you're not duping them out of it. You really are putting people in a position where they can do something that they want to do. And whether that's buying clothes or getting their shoulder or knee fixed, or aligning their marketing and, and sales organizations, um, there are people who need those things and want to buy them. So demystifying sales a little bit is something that um, I think is worthwhile for the, for the small business owner. I love that. That's awesome. And I think that really does kind of sum up so much of what you do in, in getting this alignment within the company is that the sales team might feel like they're just quote unquote selling if they don't have the vision and the understanding of how they're actually helping. It's very true. Amazing. Um, so guys, go check out Chris, sdrans.com slash 81. We will have the links to interviewgroup.com and Christopher E. Wallace on LinkedIn. And for all of you, I just assume you're subscribed if you're hearing this because you know it's awesome. But just in case you're not subscribed, I mean, I kind of feel like you'd want to be every week. Come out with something else amazing for your business. And as I have been recently, here's what I'd love for you to do, right? Because I hung out here for an hour. Chris hung out here for an hour. We're here providing value to you. I want you to share the love. You know somebody who needs to hear this, whether they're in a big company corporation or a micro business where their selling is not aligned with their marketing or it's not going so well. They need to understand more of this. Maybe they had an issue with a partnership or a merger and that information would be valuable to them. Share this episode, share it through Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, it's everywhere, or just send the link, strands.com slash 81, E-S-T-I-E-R-A-N-D.com slash 81, to send them straight to the episode so that they can also benefit from what you just benefited from. And we will catch you next week. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?